Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. Good to be with you this morning. If you would, please find the attendance pads that are in each of the pews and fill those out. Pass them along to others worshiping beside you this morning so we have a record of your presence here in worship with us this day. The, uh, there's, there are a couple of inserts in your bulletin this morning, one regarding lifeline screening that you can take a look at. The other has the announcements about all of the the things that are coming up, and I'd encourage you to take a look at that. The uh, men's garage sale is quickly approaching. It'll be next weekend, uh, Friday evening, Saturday morning. Uh, so look at the bottom of your insert for the information about the men's garage sale, especially if you have some large items that you're going to be bringing that you can make note of that and get that information to the men uh, to prepare for the setup for that. The deadline is also approaching for getting the Festival of Sharing kits back. Uh, the health kits and the school kits are due back by next Sunday so that those can be delivered to the Ohio Festival of Sharing. So uh, the, all of the stuff for that is out in the narthex. If you have picked those up already, uh, make sure you bring them back by next Sunday. If you haven't already, you still have a week to do that. So uh, you can uh, plan on filling a health kit or a, or a school kit uh, to help uh, people in need. Next Sunday afternoon is going to be our next congregational meeting to talk about issues related to the question of disaffiliation. Uh, that's going to be next Sunday at 4 o'clock, so I hope you'll join us for that. I'll be trying to answer uh, the rest of your questions that are remaining uh, from our last meeting. Uh, and it's helpful if you get those questions to me ahead of time. My email address is in the bulletin there if you have questions that you would yet like to submit for that. Uh, I'm going to ask Carol to come up, and she's got information about the uh, community baby shower, I believe. I could have taken a handheld mic, but I like to hold on. <laughs> I'm sure all of you, I know we all like babies, and so you are invited to join the Women of Faith in participating in a community baby shower. You saw the articles in the newsletter. I know many of you are perusing the display boards in the narthex. So if you wish to participate, I have mine. Take a baby booty from one of the, from one of the board displays. Purchase the items. Unfortunately, we cannot accept used items. Return the items and place them in the identified receptacles in the, in the narthex. They are where the uh, greeters were standing this morning. They're in that area. Return the items to the bassinet if you are bringing in boys' items, the laundry basket for the girls, and the walker and the diaper bags for the neutral items. Neutral being anything that would work for either a boy or a girl. Items must be returned by Sunday, the September the 18th, at that, and on the 19th when we meet, we will be sorting and distributing, or making arrangements to distribute. Please feel free to take more than one booty. Who knew that babies needed so many things? The distributed items will go to Family Promise of Greene County, which was formerly IHN, the Soin Medical Center Maternity Unit, and the Greene County Public Health Department's Community Health Services Help Me Grow program. Please join us as we do this project. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. We will be uh, celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion this morning at the end of the service, so if you're worshiping online with us, I'd encourage you to have some bread and some juice on hand and ready uh, to receive the sacrament with us. For, for those of us here in the room, we'll be passing the plates uh, with the bread and the juice on them and uh, receiving the sacrament together uh, at the end of the service. We're here this morning to offer God our worship and our praise, and so I invite you into a spirit of worship and stand as you are able for the call to worship. Draw near to God, who has heard your complaining. Come in the name of Jesus, who understands your needs. Open yourselves to God's steadfast love. Be honest before the Holy One, who knows all you do. The Holy Spirit has come to restore your joy. God's presence is real to those who accept God's gift. 
will not be hungry. Whoever trusts in Christ will never be thirsty. And please remain standing for our opening hymn, The Church's One Foundation. be seated. Please join me in our opening prayer that is printed in your bulletin. We come to you, holy God, with our many needs. Some of us are people in authority with weighty decisions to make. Some of us are fighting battles we cannot win. Some have faced unexpected losses that tear at the very fabric of life. There are broken relationships among us, feelings we do not want to admit, realities we do not want to face. There are also joys we have not really celebrated, reasons to give thanks to which we have never given voice. We come, O oh Lord, 
to the lifted out of our ruts and routines, seeking instead to find fullness of life with you. Amen. And if I could please have the children come forward, we're going to have a short little children's moment, and you can sit up here on the steps. You guys just want to sit on the step here, and we'll just have a short, short message. I have word today that Pastor Andy is going to talk about bread. And the thing that I think is fascinating about not just bread, but every casserole or food or anything, is a lot of times what goes into the bread to make it, if you eat it all by itself, it's pretty gross. Like, have you eaten flour all by itself? Not good. (laughs) Salt all by itself? Not good. Yeast? Yuck. <laughs> but it's, the, it's when we put it all together and bake it that it becomes delicious. So what you need to know how much of everything and what to cook is what. What's that special thing? Here's a picture of them. Do you know what that is? Recipes. Very good. We need a recipe. And so the recipe that I wanted to share with you today, or just remind you, because I know you too, and you guys know this, is that there is um, a recipe that I would recommend, and that is that we have a good balance between praying to God, talking to him, reading the scripture, which is like him talking to us, and also finding a way to worship him, whether it's here at church or whether it's at school or where you work. You want to do those things. Talk to him, listen to him, and praise him. And if you use that recipe, things are going to go pretty good. I'm pretty positive. All right? (laughs) All right. Thank you for coming up, guys. Have a good day. And I think um, we now have a prayer hymn, and you can remain seated for that. Lead me, Lord. Lead us in thy righteousness. We bow ourselves before you, humbled by your holiness, humbled by your power, humbled by your mercy, your love for us. Even though we could do nothing to deserve that love, Lord, yet you continue to love us. And so as we bow before you, we acknowledge all the ways that we have failed you in this past week, ways that we need to be forgiven once again. Because, Lord, we know we have not and could not ever live up to that righteousness that is yours alone. And yet you call us to that holiness. And so let us not be complacent in our failures and in our sins, but to be forgiven and restored and to be filled with your Holy Spirit that we might grow ever closer to that image of Christ in which we were created. 
Lord, work through us and through this church to bless the babies of this community, to bless school children who will receive the school kits, to bless people who will receive health kits, to bless so many because of the generosity of this church. Lord, may they not just receive the the physical items, but may they receive the love that is behind them and the grace that comes from you. Lord, build up this congregation to be your light shining in this dark world. And may we be that light to one another, that source of hope and inspiration as we continue in that Christian walk with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us. Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Thank you, God, for your continuing providence, even when we complain. Thank you for the living bread, Jesus Christ, who feeds our spirits. In gratitude for undeserved grace and unlimited opportunity, we dedicate our offering and ourselves. Let our tape and our resources build up the body of Christ for greater service. May the needs of many be addressed in ways that bring hope, grace, and love to your children. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel.
Our scripture lesson is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 22 through 35. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to, to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank 
Bread has long been a staple of human society. No one knows for sure exactly when people first began to bake bread. Archaeologists have discovered rudimentary grinding stones, one of the tools necessary for grinding grains into flour, dating back as much as 30,000 years. Proof of bread as we now know it dates back at least 14,000 years. I still can't imagine how humans first came up with the idea of how to bake bread. The idea that you could cultivate seeds to grow certain types of grain and then grind that grain down to make flour and then mix that flour with some other ingredients and put it all in an oven for a while and it will produce a wonderful loaf of bread. It seems so natural to us now because humans have been doing it since before there was even written history. But how did we figure out how to do it in the first place? That's what boggles my mind. There must have been some divine guidance in the whole thing. However it arose, bread has become synonymous with food. Give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus told a parable about a man going to his neighbor in the middle of the night to procure food for his unexpected guests, what did the man ask for? Bread. When God commanded a certain food to be set in the holy place as a sign of his presence, what food was it? Bread. There is something so very basic about bread that the word itself, bread, can simply mean food. There's also something very human about bread. Within the animal kingdom, there are herbivores, and there are carnivores, and there are omnivores. There are no breadivores. Without humans, there is no bread. As basic as bread is to our diet and to our lives in general, bread is not something that occurs in nature. I mean, except for the manna in the wilderness, we'll come back to that notable exception later, bread doesn't just appear on its own. The ingredients have to be cultivated. The product has to be baked. Bread has to be made by people. It's a very human thing. John chapter 6 is all about bread. The whole chapter, and it's a long chapter, 71 verses in all. The whole thing is about bread. All of it, from beginning to end, centers around these words of Jesus, I am the bread of life. He says it several times in the chapter, along with a similar statement, I am the living bread. This is another one of the seven I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. In fact, this is the first of the I am statements in the Gospel of John. We've already looked at three others, but this one actually comes before those in the Gospel. The occasion for this discussion about bread, the instigating event, if you will, is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish. Jesus and his disciples went up on a mountain next to the Sea of Galilee. Large crowds were following them. Jesus, seeing the large crowd coming after them, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. This conversation, Jesus' question, Philip's answer, sets up the lesson of the story a story which John calls a sign. A sign in John's gospel is a miracle that is intended to reveal something about who Jesus is. Jesus sets up the revelation with his question, where? Where will the bread come from? Where can we buy it? Of course, they're not going to buy it. Jesus already knows they don't need to buy it. But he asks the question, where, in order to set up the revelation. He is going to reveal before their very eyes where true bread comes from. Philip's answer is completely off the mark. Philip bypasses the question of where, and he goes to the question of how. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough. Philip is saying, even if we worked for a combined total of 200 days and spent all of that money on bread, we still wouldn't be able to buy enough for everyone in this crowd to get even a little morsel. In other words, it's impossible. 
even if there were a bakery right there at the top of the mountain, there's no way they could come up with enough money to buy enough bread to feed all of those people. Philip's off-the-mark answer unwittingly played right into the lesson that Jesus was about to give. He's right, they can't buy enough bread. But they don't have to. In the miracle Jesus was about to perform, he showed them that when you know the answer to where, you don't have to worry about the how. When you know where the true bread comes from, you don't have to worry about how you're going to procure enough, how you're going to produce it or provide it. Philip was absolutely right that they, the disciples, could not produce or provide enough to go around. But if he knew that the answer to the question where was in Jesus, then everything else would fall into place. Jesus took the five barley loaves and the two fish that a boy in the crowd had on hand. Jesus had the crowd sit down. Then Jesus distributed the food. Each of the four Gospels tells this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but there are some minor differences in how each Gospel writer tells the story. In John's version, it is Jesus himself who distributes the food. In the other Gospels, Jesus instructs the disciples to pass the food out. But John says in verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. That doesn't mean that John contradicts the other Gospels. It could be that when John talks about Jesus distributing the bread and the fish, he did so by having the disciples pass it out. But John tells the story in such a way that he focuses on Jesus doing the distribution. Because John wants to make it clear that Jesus is the one who feeds us. Jesus is the one feeding the people. Jesus is the source of the food. Jesus is the from where the bread comes. Another difference in this story Once all the people had eaten their fill and the disciples gathered up the leftovers, John tells about the 12 baskets full of bread that remained. But he says nothing else about the fish. In other Gospels, there was fish left over too. John doesn't say anything about leftover fish. I can understand that. I don't even like fresh seafood, so leftover fish just sounds awful. But again, it isn't a contradiction. There, there could very well have been leftover fish. John doesn't say there wasn't. He just doesn't mention it if there was. And he doesn't mention it for a reason. It's not because he doesn't like seafood. It's because he wants to focus on the bread. The bread is what matters. The bread is what the entire rest of the chapter is going to be about. There were 12 baskets full of bread left over. Twelve baskets. There was enough bread for all the twelve tribes of Israel and enough left over for anyone else who wanted to feast as well. The bread of life with which Jesus provides isn't just for one set of people and it will never run out. Jesus then withdrew from the crowd for the night. John tells a brief story about the disciples setting off in a boat without Jesus and a storm kicking up and Jesus walking on the water to them. The next day, the crowds see that Jesus is gone. They knew that he hadn't been in the boat with the disciples, so they're confused about where he's gone. They go searching for him on the other side of the sea, and that's where the discussion of bread resumes. They find Jesus on the other side of the sea, and they ask him how he got there. Rather than answer that question, Jesus questions their motives for following him. He says, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Remember that in John's gospel, signs are miracles that reveal something about the nature of Jesus. When Jesus says that they didn't see the signs, he means they didn't get it. They didn't grasp the revelation. They saw the miracle. They were awed and amazed by what Jesus did, but they didn't see the sign. They they didn't get the point. They didn't know what Jesus was trying to reveal about himself. Jesus, in his infinite mercy and patience, 
Instead of sending them away because they didn't get it, tried to explain it to them again. He had this conversation with them where he talked about working for food that endures for eternal life. Food which the Son of Man will provide. He talked about believing in the one God sent. They asked him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Now remember, this is the very next day after feeding the 5,000. Some of the very same people who had witnessed that miracle, not even 12 hours earlier, saying to Jesus, what sign are you going to give us? And to add to the irony, they say, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's as if they're saying to Jesus, perhaps if you were to provide, oh, I don't know, bread for us out of nowhere, like Moses did in the wilderness, then maybe we might believe you. Not 12 hours after Jesus had miraculously provided bread for them out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere, there were five loaves to start with, but the amount of people that were fed and the amount of bread left over would prove to anyone truly looking for a sign that Jesus was in fact producing bread there on the spot in the moment. No cultivating of ingredients, no baking in an oven, it just appeared. Just like the miracle of manna in the wilderness that the people claim they want to see performed all over again. Isn't it ironic? Jesus responds by telling them their presumptions are all wrong. Moses was not the one who gave them bread from heaven. Moses did not produce manna in the wilderness. It was God who did that. And that same God who produced manna in the wilderness gives, present tense, gives, not not gave back in Moses' day, but gives, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives light to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. The day after he revealed it through the feeding of the 5,000 with miraculous bread, Jesus finally came right out and said it. The point of it all, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the source from which all provision is made. Jesus is the sustenance by which we are fed. Not just physically, but the one who feeds and gives life to our souls. But it's not just spiritual either. Bread is a very physical thing, and Jesus is the one who provides all of it. The manna in the wilderness, appearing as it did out of nowhere with no cultivation of human hands, by no endeavor of human means, proves that even the things that we think depend on us really come from God. You know, God could have caused plants to grow up in the desert each day. It would still have been a miracle. It still would have fed the people. But it wouldn't have quite made the same point. Instead of growing a plant, God produced something that doesn't just grow up in nature, that doesn't grow up out of the ground ready to eat, something that normally depends on human intervention, something which typically takes people to have to produce and provide for themselves. God caused bread to show up out of nowhere with no involvement or participation on the part of anyone else whatsoever. All they had to do was go out and gather it up and eat it. Bread from heaven. Part of the point in that is that even the things that we think we have to produce, the things that we depend on ourselves for, really come from God. Part of the point, too, was to point forward to the true true bread from heaven, Jesus Christ, the bread which God would send down from heaven into the world, providing the spiritual sustenance, the provision, the salvation, which again, we too often think is up to us to provide. Jesus asked the rhetorical question, where are you going to buy the bread of salvation? knowing that the answer is, you can't. 
There is nowhere to buy it. And Philip's response adds to the answer, even if there was a place to buy it, there's no way we could ever possibly hope to buy enough. But that doesn't matter. Because Jesus is the bread of life. He produces the bread Himself. He gives it away for free. And there is always, always more than enough. Towards the end of John chapter 6, the conversation takes what many of the Jews considered to be a disturbing turn. Jesus took this analogy of himself being the bread of life to the extreme. As he spoke about eating the bread of life, which was himself, Jesus began talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. We can try to spiritualize it, and no doubt Jesus was making a spiritual point, but the language that he used is quite vivid and graphic. He says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Even in that modern translation, it it almost sounds like cannibalism. One of the charges made against the early Christians is that they were cannibals. These verses become even more graphic when you realize that the word Jesus used in the original language actually means something more like munch. Whoever munches on my flesh and drinks my blood. And he was speaking to Jews who were forbidden in the Jewish law from even coming into contact with another person's blood. They were forbidden from eating animal flesh with the blood still in it. Kosher meat had to have all the blood drained out before the meat could be cooked and eaten. And here's Jesus telling these people who had such a legally binding aversion to blood, you must drink my blood. John is the only one of the four Gospels that does not include Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. There is a Last Supper scene in John. In fact, it's five chapters long. It's far longer than any of the other Gospels. But nowhere in it does Jesus take the bread and say, this is my body, or take the wine and say, this is my blood. Instead, John tells the story of Jesus turning water into wine, and then he spends an entire long chapter talking about bread in which Jesus says things like, I am the bread of life, I am the living bread, and unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Certainly, John intends us to hear this as the institution of the Lord's Supper. In the sacrament of Holy Communion, we do exactly what Jesus tells us to do in this chapter. We feast on his body. We drink in his blood. That doesn't mean that we believe, as some do, that the the bread and juice somehow magically become the literal body and blood of Jesus. But it does mean that Christ Himself is literally present. That in this sacrament, He is the one who feeds us. It is His grace and His salvation offered to us in the breaking of His body and in the shedding of of his blood by which we are fed as we partake of the bread one of the basic staples of human life his life enters our own his body enters our body our bodies become his body as we partake of the juice the the fruit of the vine Ah, the vine will come to that next week. As the wine enters our body, we are washed by the blood of Jesus. We are made clean by His sacrifice and His grace. These are things that we cannot do for ourselves. We don't make this bread. We don't buy this bread. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is our provision. Jesus is our salvation. 
He is everything that we need for life in this world and in the next. Thanks be to God. I invite you now to prepare for the sacrament of Holy Communion as we join in the prayer of the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By your spirit, you anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory as yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Invite the ushers to come forward. They will pass the uh, bread plates. They invite you to take one and hold on to it until all have received so that we might receive the sacrament uh, together as one body. There is also a plate of gluten-free bread here. Um, if you need that, just uh, let, let them know that you need the gluten-free bread.
body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of him. A gracious Lord, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us, by which you have fed us by both your body and your spirit, by the sacrifice that you made make us one with your body in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you now to uh, stand as you're able for our closing hymn, which is number 359 in the hymnals. Let us sing, Alas, and did my Savior bleed.
having been fed by the bread of life, go now and live as the body of Christ in the world. Go in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.